Grace, mercy, and peace be to you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Brothers and sisters in Christ, today is what has been known as Loyalty Sunday here at Faith for a number of years. It's the Sunday that brings to completion the past three weeks of stewardship-focused sermons. It's the Sunday whereby, after taking time for prayerful deliberation, you and your family place your indications on where you and your family may serve, how you plan to give of the blessings of time, talent, and treasure that the Lord has blessed you with. It's a time that is to be thoughtful, to be planned out, and to be intentional as again you take stock in how the Lord has given you all things, not only for your own benefit, but for the benefit of your neighbor and for the further proclamation of God's kingdom in this place and beyond. Now, some years your pastors will pick specific verses or maybe a book in the Bible to bring God's grace and, and our response to light in our preaching. This year, though, we chose to focus on the epistle letters that came up in our lectionary readings. We didn't choose them. These were chosen for us. Three weeks on Paul's letter to the churches in Philippi, and today a letter from Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy. And what I find amazing in all of this is that Though your pastors didn't deliberately choose these passages, God has been present to bring light to themes of stewardship throughout. So in other words, it's a way to say that God's plans are better than our plans. His choice is better than mine, no matter how thoughtful or deliberate or planned out I hope to be. We are called, dear brothers and sisters in Christ, to be Christ-like stewards. Eyes open to the reality that God provides all good things for us. Not based on any merit or worthiness in us, but simply because he chooses to do so. It is all out of his grace and his mercy, and for his purpose, that he supplies us all that we need for this body and life, and for the body and the life, for the fullness of life that is still yet to come. I want to share something a little shocking about how our Lord provides. God provides in ways that, that his people don't always choose, through people whom we would not normally expect. And in doing so, he reveals again how his plans are better than ours, and his choice is better than ours. Like in our Isaiah text for today, God indicates that a man named Cyrus would be his choice, his anointed one, to lead the exiled people of God out of Babylonian captivity and back into the promised land of Jerusalem. But here's the shocking thing. These words that were spoken and recorded in the book of Isaiah, they were written 100 years before Cyrus was even a twinkle in his father's eye. And here's the other shocking thing. Cyrus was a Persian king. He wasn't even an Israelite. And so God chooses these, this unexpected person, Cyrus, to bring about his plan of salvation and deliverance for God's people. That's one example. In our gospel reading again for today, the Pharisees, they try to trap Jesus uh, by presenting him this kind of seemingly religious question about paying taxes to the the king of the Gentiles, who, of course, is Caesar. And Jesus replies to this trap by saying, we'll give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. 
and to God what belongs to God. And the Pharisees leave dumbfounded at his reply. Well, why is that? Well, just as Cyrus was chosen by the Lord to release the captive people, so too was Caesar God's choice to be ruler over the people of God at that time. Is it shocking? Yes. Both were chosen by the Lord to be in power and to exercise authority for the Lord's purposes for that time, even when they had no knowledge, no desire, no faith in God to motivate them to do the Lord's work. God's plans are not like ours. He chooses the unexpected to bring about his plans. Now for the Christian, faith sees that God is the actor. He is the provider. He is the mover. He is the one who has the ultimate power to bring his plans and his promise to fruition. By whatever means he deems fit. Cyrus was the Lord's. Even though Cyrus didn't acknowledge it, Caesar was the Lord's as well, even though he didn't acknowledge it. It's just a wonderful thing, because faith sees that doing things like paying tax to Caesar is actually honoring the God who put Caesar in a position of temporal authority. Faith sees that being released from captivity by, by Cyrus king of the Persians, is the same as being released by God himself as he moves Cyrus to do his bidding. See, faith is the wonderful gift to see God at work in, with, and under these vocations or these people. And so faith acknowledges God's work in our midst, not only in some sort of ethereal, spiritual way, but in a very real flesh and blood way. So faith acknowledges, also acknowledges, and accepts that God is at work even in, with, and under those who do not recognize or worship him. Maybe an example would help. Faith trusts that God gives us our daily bread. Now, daily bread means certainly more than a loaf of wheat bread that we might make our sandwiches with. It, it pertains to all that we need for this body and life, right? This is what we ask for with our daily bread. I want you to think a moment, though, for that one loaf of bread in particular, however. Faith sees that God provides the loaf of bread. Well, how does he do it? He does it through the means of farmers who plant and then harvest the wheat, through the means of the truck drivers who haul the wheat to be processed into flour, through the means of the bakers who take the flour, bake the bread, through the means of the stores whose employees stock the shelves, and of course, because bread isn't free, at least not the last time I checked, faith sees that God provides us work to do so that we can earn our wage so that we can drive to the store and purchase that one loaf of bread. God works through those means, through those vocations. And it may be that absolutely not one of those people were Christians. But for us, 
Faith still acknowledges and gives thanks to God for his work through those people, through those vocations, to provide for us that very loaf of bread. Another example, faith trusts that God is the one who ultimately gives healing. Not, not just immediately, like he often did in his earthly ministry when he told the paralytic to, to get up, take up your mat, and go home. But through the means of doctors and nurses and healthcare providers and the like. Faith sees that God is the one who gives healing through the means of chemists, drug manufacturers, pharmacists who put the, the vaccines in your arm or fill your prescriptions. Faith acknowledges and gives thanks to God for his work of healing through the means of these people and through these vocations even if not a one of them ever gives thanks to or acknowledges God. Faith sees that God is the giver of all good gifts, all that we need for this body and life. He gives us food, shelter, employment, clothes, shoes. Did I say shoes twice? Maybe. Maybe we like shoes. Transportation through the means of of every vocation under the sun. And if that were not enough, dear brothers and sisters in Christ, faith sees that God provides not just for this temporal body and life, but for the body and the life that is still yet to be revealed. A body and life that is not meant to be temporary, but eternal. So now for a time, you'll pay taxes to Caesar. Now for a time, Cyrus will, will rescue, but not forever. History shows that both Caesar and Cyrus, well, they're dead. But the eternal and the everlasting God who is at work in, with, and under them, well, he continues to live and reign. Brothers and sisters in Christ, I invite you to look again to Jesus. And consider the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is the Lord's anointed who sets his people free, not just from Babylonian captivity, but from captivity to sin, to death and the devil. Consider Jesus, who healed the sick, fed the hungry, drove out the demons. But now consider this. Everyone that our Lord Jesus healed, fed, and released during his earthly ministry well they all died even Lazarus who was raised from the dead died again it was temporary but the work that the Lord had done well that has eternal implications Jesus the anointed king of creation he suffered he wept he bled he died on the cross and yet, even that was temporary, wasn't it? Rising again to life on the third day brought the eternal to bear on the temporal. And that means, dear brothers and sisters in Christ, that all those who died after Jesus fed and healed and released during his earthly ministry, now because of Jesus' resurrection from the dead, well, they still live. 
They live for a time apart from the body and still yet with Jesus. And because they live now with Jesus when he comes in glory, bodily descending from heaven to earth, he will raise even their bodies from the dust of the ground, and their bodies and souls of the faithful departed will be reunited. And then the fullness of the eternal will prevail. The sin, the suffering, the weeping, the death, the mourning, those will all be a thing of the past seen rightly as temporary. Faith sees this reality. You see this reality. And seeing this reality frees the faithful to live and to love in ways that others will not. That brings us finally to the letter written by Paul, Silvanus, and, and Timothy. They wrote to the churches in Thessalonica, We give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in, your, in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. We know, brothers loved by God, that he has chosen you, anointed you, called you, because our gospel came to you not only in word but also in power and in the Holy Spirit with full conviction. You know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake. And you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction with joy in the Holy Spirit. Your work of faith, your labor of love, your steadfastness of hope that encapsulates all that faith sees and believes. Faith sees that God gives all things for this body and life, the temporal blessings. God is at work through the means of others to supply for my needs. True. But faith also sees that God provides for all things for life eternal through the gospel of Jesus crucified for us through the means of this church. Therefore, that means that you and I, well, by faith, we are also instruments of the Lord's provision for others. In our vocations, we are called to serve others in love, not simply only to care for their temporary needs, but ultimately to be pointing to Jesus, who supplies for every need eternally as well. And so now we hold fast so now we hold steadfastly to the hope that even when our temporary lives in this age come to an end, well, we're the Lord's, and we shall rise never to die again. The mortal will be clothed in immortality. And this already has begun your baptism. Faith, love, hope, this is how Paul, Silvanus, and, and Timothy lived their lives. It, it expresses how they lived. With eyes of faith to see that God is at work for us. Hands of love to serve, uh, to serve their neighbors. Steadfast hope in the God who brings immortality to life. It shaped and formed all that they did and said. Their way of life is to be imitated. 
we are called to follow them as they follow Christ. As Jesus suffered for a time, so the apostles did, and you know, so shall we. In love, Jesus gave. Well, the apostles gave out of love, and in love, we too give. In the resurrection, Jesus brings life and immortality to light, gives hope. Well, the apostles suffered, and they gave in light of that hope. And brothers and sisters in Christ, so shall we. Jesus died and rose to forgive our sin and to bring life and immortality to light. The apostles died, but they will rise, and so too will you and I. So we come back at last to, to Loyalty Sunday, where we lay our temporary things, the things that the Lord has given us for this time, our time, our talent, and our treasure, before the Lord. But we do so in faith. Faith that the Lord has given us every good gift. Unlike Cyrus or Caesar, who didn't see that reality or give thanks to God for giving them their, their vocations and the things to be used in them, well, we do. With the eyes of faith, we understand and we acknowledge, first of all, God's gifts to us, and second, that he has called us to be his instruments of care and provision for others in our vocations. We're called to serve our neighbors in love. Confident in our Lord's love and service for us, then we seek to love and to serve our neighbors. Again, not just with the, the temporal, but also with the eternal. Our temporal service is always to have an eternal impact as our service comes with the message of Christ crucified for all. This proclamation comes only through the means of Christ's church, of which you and I are members. We serve and we proclaim God's love and hope, sure and certain hope that the Lord will bring the temporary sufferings of this age to an end and that we shall live forever with our risen Lord. So in this way, dear brothers and sisters in Christ, we are Christ-like stewards like the faithful who have come before us. We follow and we imitate their lives of faith, love, and hope as they followed after Jesus, the author, the perfecter of, the, of our faith, the, the expression of God's love and the source of true and certain hope. So this morning, I invite you again to lay before him on his altar all that he has richly blessed you with, your time, your talent, and your treasure for God's glory and for the service of your neighbor and the proclamation of his kingdom, which has no end. Amen. Now may the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds. Amen. <laughs>